Hello, everybody, and welcome to the On Tap podcast. This is the first in our brewery profile series, and we're here at Raven's Brewery. Hey, everybody. Recording live at the brewery. Oh, no. Hey. We've got uh, Nick and John. Nick, you're the head brewer here. That's correct. Correct. Is that the title you like to use? Yes, sir. Yes? Is there a better, like you... Magician of Grandmaster General of fermentation, or uh, I mean, if you really want to use that, you can. Oh, okay. But uh, head brewers. That's what's on the business card. That's what's on the business card. Okay, yeah. John. How about you? Your sales. Yeah, sales manager. Sales manager. Sure. Well, let's start talking about the brewery itself first. Um, just give us a little bit of a background on it. I know you guys are coming up on your one here, or have you just? Yeah. So. It's, uh, what is it now, probably through April, and we opened last year at the end of May, and the first week of June was our sort of real debut. Yeah. Uh, we opened with uh, only two beers, and since then we have expanded our four beers to be four different styles. We have the Golden Ale, the West Coast Pale Ale, our Farmer's Ale, and our English Dark Mild. Along with those, we've had a number of different seasonals. Yeah, and a few experimentals as well, I know, that uh, aren't necessarily going to be released, but they were pretty damn tasty. <laughs> yeah, yes, thank you very much. Um, our experimentals are kind of something that just lets us play around and test out different ideas. Uh, both myself and our assistant brewer can, can take turns testing out our thoughts. Yeah, nice. Uh, take some of the structure out of it and you kind of have some fun while you're brewing. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's a little free form, so. Nice. nice. Does that, what does it look like start to finish? So when you you get a new idea for a beer, how does that go from being in your head to potentially being in a can in, in a tasting room? Well, it, it kind of depends on what the circumstances are. If we're given a specific circumstance where we need a new seasonal and we know for sure we want to do a seasonal for, say, summertime. Sure. And we want it to be, let's say, uh, a wheat-based beer, maybe blended with some fruit. So last year, for example, we came out with a raspberry hefeweizen. Sure. Um, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. 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 So that was sort of a midsummer release, and uh, which ended up being a giant hit. Now, for that exact beer, it was, being so young, it was a little bit risky because we didn't really have time to do a massive amount of test batching. Sure. Um, so we just kind of went for it, full okay. full, full batch, and it worked out great. Um, since then, generally what we do is, if there's a specific beer we want, so say we, uh, one of the beers we'll try today is our Dry Irish Stout. Sure. And that was sort of a late winter release. Now, we'd already talked about that we wanted a stout I had narrowed it down in my mind that we wanted to refer to dry Irish stout. It just fit better with sort of our portfolio of beers. Sure, sure. So to do that, we ended up doing several different test batches, which were never released to the public, but only for our own consumption so we could tweak the recipe that way. Now, then there's option three, or secret door C, or whatever you want to call sure, it. Sure, yeah. And... And that's kind of, well, we just also do our experimental batches. And those ones 
are available to the public through the tasting room, and they're not necessarily tied to anything specifically, but they give us a chance to try different techniques, different ingredients, different ideas that maybe we've either uh, myself or one of the other staff has had. And so that, for example, has led to, um, we released a smoked scotch ale a while ago as an experimental, and now it's tentatively scheduled in to be a full batch seasonal release in the fall. Sure. And that sort of progression is directly related to the feedback we had. Like it was never scheduled, it was never an idea to, to do that. So Feedback from your staff, feedback from John in sales, feedback from the tasting room, where All who decides? Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's pretty much like a collaborative at that point. If we're if we feel confident enough to release it to the public, yeah. then we're really looking for uh, feedback beyond us. Sure. So all of that helps because it, it, it helps us like hone in on what we really, what we really want to do. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously the first step is we have to be happy with it. Um, and then, you know, having, having it sell out rather quickly as well as having customers come back and asking for it when, when will it be back? When can I get this again? Yeah. That's generally a pretty good sign that, okay, maybe we should at least look at this, maybe tweak the recipe, go yeah. back and take, take a finer, finer tooth comb over the recipe yeah. and uh, see how we can maybe fit it into our schedule. It, yeah, experimental is also a lot of stability. They just dump it. If we're not happy with it or if something goes wrong, like it. Yeah, sure. So, like, we, we don't have to do anything with it. It's small enough that we can just... Yeah, if the keg doesn't sell, then it's well, we, only we, one keg. We've never yeah. released anything that we weren't happy with. Yeah. yeah. Like, so, if we're not happy with it, like, we have, we talk about it a lot, like, it, amongst ourselves. Like, if, if one of us isn't happy with it, that's a conversation that needs to occur. And there's a question of whether we're going to release it, even in an experimental state for sure there's not that that happens all the time but there has definitely been at least one example where it just didn't turn out the way we thought um and it just wasn't up to our standards so it just never was released what was it <laughs> uh we won't talk about what it was because we might redo it <laughs> uh, don't want to give away trade yeah. secrets yeah <laughs> fair enough okay can't spoil the someday. Someday. <laughs> someday. Might make a comeback. Might, might make a comeback. Yeah, but that would never even hit the floor. Like that was that was gone before. Yeah. Right. That, that was an in-house decision. Like yeah. it makes pretty high quality. How many so how many ideas or test batches maybe have you done compared to how many beers you've offered? Well, there you go. So we've done 14 experimental batches. Yeah. One is not the latest. Okay. okay. So you guys have 13 beers in a year already. Uh, um, that's just the experimentals. That's oh. not including our regulars or our full batch seasonals. Wow. So sure. this year alone, we're probably looking at, I would say... We've released full batch, probably close to about a dozen. 
And then on top of that, there was probably another dozen plus of experimentals that sure. were done. Uh, well, it's kind of nice. It keeps keeps everything fresh. It lets you always be testing new things. It's also different because we are a new brewery. Mm -hmm. um, it's not like we have a whole bunch of seasonals that are just set. So there is a lot more of that testing and you know, experimenting phase um, and, and recipe creation that we have never needed until this past winter. We never had a winter seasonal because we weren't open in the winter. So yeah, yeah. Everything, every everything seasonal is new. Exactly. New, new season, so new seasonal. Yeah. We're about to loop around for the first time yeah. on our seasonals, which is really exciting because it allows us the opportunity to um, change how we brand it, change what we're doing with it, and also if we want to tweak the recipe, then we have the opportunity to do so. So um, I know that for the uh, elderflower IPA, um, we're tentatively uh, discussing doing it as a charity beer. Um, oh, where, nice. Yeah, where 25% of all profit will go to the local sclerosis society of Canada. Sure. Um, and uh, we're, at the same time, we're, we're changing that. We're also changing possibly what the recipe might be. Yeah, the recipe will be tweaked as well. Yeah. So we get to make a new label. We get to, yeah. to do that kind of stuff. That's not always going to be the case. No, and I mean, it's 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 one of those things where it's, it's nice because, again, our white IPA, our elderflower white IPA specifically, was our very first seasonal that we did, and it did great last year. Yeah. But being the first seasonal, we had only used our system like three times before we brewed it. So yeah. Our procedures have already greatly changed. And since then, I feel like we can increase the quality and, and the output. So we'll make some tweaks. It'll be a little different, but it shouldn't it shouldn't be too different for anyone who perhaps is looking forward to it from last year. Sure. Yeah, the goal is really to draw in like the fanfare that we had because I go out there and I see and people are asking for it. Like we, I just got a an order the other day where it was like, I don't know, I'll take. Case of the gold, I'll take a case of the case of the West Coast, and also once the elderflowers back on, I'll take two cases of it. So like, where our goal is to still attract those people that that liked it the first round, and then you know build on that. Because well, there's a lot there's a lot more you know stockists that we have today than we did you know ten months ago. So sure. Yeah, and you've built up a bit more of a following now, so you can introduce it to those people that missed it last year as well. Yeah, for so. sure. So with your um, main lineup, let's kind of step back and go to those, your standby beers. Let's drink um, some beer here, too. Yeah. Yeah. So the Golden was designed to be sort of our gateway uh, craft beer, uh, something that... Maybe somebody who hasn't really gotten into the craft beer revolution might be able to take a step into. Sure. Um, it's not necessarily too hoppy. It's not too heavy. The idea behind it being it's it's a little bit on the sweet side, but malt character and but a slight hop character is there as well. Sure. So that was the thought process behind that. So the golden ale, I, I definitely see exactly what you're saying. So... 
I'm hesitant to say light, but I would say I definitely get that smooth and sweet, and I can see how. Uh, do you, when in your tasting room, do you have to have a bridge beer? Do you get a lot of people that come in that never have tried anything but macro beer? Oh, most definitely. Um, being located in Abbotsford, the heart of the Fraser Valley, it's this is definitely Molson Budweiser territory. Yeah. It's so, macro lager country. This is definitely what people have grown up with, and they just don't, they don't even have a, a, a they can't comprehend beer being anything else besides that. So, to have a beer that hopefully can, in a, in a little baby step, show them it can be a little more flavorful, maybe lead them into our next beer or the next beer or whatever. Yeah. Education is a huge part of our business plan. Where we're located, unlike Vancouver, which has already been fairly well educated mm-hmm. in craft beer, um, a lot of the beer drinkers out here, they've never heard of a Saison. Sure. They don't understand that a dark beer can be light body. Mm. Stuff like that. Yeah. So does that kind of tie in with naming your Saison or? Or your farmer's ale, calling it a farmer's ale instead of a saison, or is that more stylistic? Um, there definitely was some thought behind that. Now, obviously, saison, farmhouse style ale, yeah. whatever you'd like to call it, um, we figured it just worked really well. Yeah. Uh, farmer's ale, we're in a very agricultural area, so we wanted to acknowledge that. Do you have Le Saisonnier coming in to drink your beer and they don't even know that they're seasonal farm workers? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's, um, there, it's, it was definitely on purpose. Yeah. And uh, again, it, it was, it does describe the style, but first of all, it's, it's a word that people are more familiar with. Yep. And maybe they can even associate yeah, very nice. I like it. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you definitely have to do that, too. You couldn't just... In Abbotsford, you probably can't just make all only the craziest styles of beer and expect to be successful. You've got to take something that people would understand and then apply your creativity to it. Well, exactly. Like You want to have something that's unique enough and complex enough that it's interesting for craft beer drinkers, but approachable for those people who have never had a West Coast style pale ale yeah, or, yeah. Um, you know, an English dark mild. That can be terrifying to someone who's only ever had a light lager. Yeah. So. so would you say there's kind of an overarching theme to all your beers or is it just kind of a whatever you feel like brewing and you feel is going to help expand your lineup? There's probably more of a theme that has to do with our cores, which we try to do. Uh, I mean. So, for the listeners, what are the. Name the cores. Oh, so our, our core beers are our Golden Ale, which we briefly spoke about. We have a West Coast Pale Ale, which is kind of more in between your standard Pale Ale and, a, and an IPA. So, it's quite hop forward, um, but not quite as bitter as an IPA. We then have our Farmer's Ale, which is a French Saison. Um, so it's a French wheat ale. 
It's uh, slight, hazy, a little bit bitter, but a very strong yeast character. And then we have our Dark Mild, which is a low-alcohol sort of English pub-style beer. Um, it's obviously quite uh, malty, a little bit dark, nutty, that sort of thing. Within those four beers, the reason we pick them is because we have our bridge beer, one that showcases hops, one that showcases the yeast, and one that showcases a darker malt. So it kind of talks about each of the ingredients without making it too obvious that's what we're doing. Yeah. You can have a nice overview if you've never had you got a nice uh, full spectrum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. The beer rainbow, if, if you will. Beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Cam's beer rainbow. Yeah. You heard it here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, if you had to kind of describe your first year in operation, um, would obviously I, was, I would say from an outsider's perspective it was a success, but is there anything... Or any way that you would describe it or say, uh, you know, what you want to do or what you want to do differently in the next little while here? Um, the biggest thing that we need to do really is just determine and figure out how we're going to be able to expand to keep up with our growth rate. Oh, that's so the problem. So the first year was, I would definitely call it a success. Um... We're farther ahead sales-wise and distribution-reaching-wise than we thought we would be in one year. Um, that being said, we are still very young. It's still a very delicate balance right now. It's as Being a young business, it, it can still be quite nerve-wracking. It's not like our success is set in stone. So every step, we try to be as calculated as we can. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, like that, that's for sure. I I wake up a lot lately with stress dreams. <laughs> like, <laughs> are we selling enough? So It's it, hard. Yeah. It's really hard. Well, and that goes back to your quality control you were talking about earlier, where I think it, like you guys are doing exactly what you need to do, where you're being very strict in your quality control, because being such a young brewery, like one bad beer... And your name with that person or that group of people that try it can be, you know, that can slam you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I would, you talk to other veterans in the brewing industry with other breweries who've been quite successful. Yeah. And maybe around for 10 plus years. And, and they'll tell you, you know, if, if you have one screw up, it's not going to be the end of the world. But at this point, it will definitely put a big slow on our momentum. Yeah. So it, we are trying very hard to not let that happen. But at the same time, you can't let fear yeah. be running you. Like You're not always going to have something that's 100%. You're, the reality is you're not going to be able to do perfect. Yeah, you can't be perfectly everybody all the, the time. The no. thing about that is that everybody's not going to like every beer you put out. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, like, you run into that a lot. So when I'm out there, like, talking to people, you know, they love one. Maybe they won't love the next. I mean, it's 
that that's hard. But what you really try to do is you say, hey, maybe it's not your favorite style of beer, but that what we what we rely on is we rely on that quality and that consistency of quality, where it's like, okay, it might not be for you, but is that quality lacking? No. Well, then there's no reason to not trust our product. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is like what we go back to where we say, if we don't like it, then we don't sell it. Yeah. Because if we wouldn't buy it, why would we expect anyone else to? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so what are you guys drinking? Tell us what you guys are drinking here. We just right. don't. Yeah. You guys can be fans of Yeah, no, we're, we're, yeah, of course. I, I finished a, um, finished a West Coast, sorry, uh, Fort Winds Nick Taurus yeah. before this. Now and we're now we're drinking Jones. Jones uh, all beer. Yeah. Yeah. We're, uh, the guys from Jones were here today. We're doing a collaboration with them. So that'll be our next season. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Can you share exclusive details here? Can you sure. Yeah, of course. Uh, you have, like, at least when 30 will listeners. When <laughs> so this is airing actually at the perfect time to yeah. ramp up. Like, next week. Yeah, yeah ramp up sales. Yeah. So we'll be... Releasing our collaboration Kel Sour, which will be a dry hop Kel Sour, and uh, we'll be focusing on Pacific Gem hops from New Zealand. And they're not an overly utilized hop, but they have a great blackberry oak sort of characteristics. Mm. So I'm very excited. To yeah. See that comes out. Cool. Have you got a name picked out? Um, interestingly enough, our beers and Dones. Beers don't have names. No. Okay. They're generally just the style. named what the style is. Yeah. It's kind so of a choice. That that was a again a a very aware choice. Yeah, conscious yeah. choice. Yeah. Conscious yeah. choice. Yeah. It makes it a lot more approachable. Yeah. Because you know, if you give it a crazy name and then subtitle it with yeah. You know, somebody's going to be looking at that on the shelf and they're like, okay, it's got a cool name, but what is it? Yeah, and I mean, for myself, I'm a pretty straightforward guy, I would say, so I appreciate calling things what they are. Yeah. So this will say dry hopped kettle sour on the bottle? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. I guess when we were first organizing this, it was a lot closer to this, but um, you recently had a homebrew competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking into the future, I see that uh, there's more s- scheduled or planned. Uh, can you kind of... I'm on the 10 Corners Homebrew Club Facebook page, and I see you guys are... I, I don't know if you're... if you guys are members, if you're involved, or if you're just supporting events, or... Yeah, uh, yeah I personally am a member official member of the club, but a honorary member, I suppose you could Fly say. Fly on the wall. Um, so yeah, we held a homebrew challenge. It was our West Coast challenge. It was open to any homebrewers. Uh, and the limit was you could not have any live sours or wild beer. Yep. Um, and you have to utilize Chinook, Cascade, or Centennial hops. Didn't have to be all of them, but it had to be limited to those hops. So we did that, and I think we received about 30 entries. Wow. Yeah. Um, That's great. Yeah, it was really, it was really good feedback. Quite a few. Yeah. Um, we had the 10 Corners Homebrew Club act as our preliminary judges. Yep. 
they put forward what they deem the five best beers, and then from there, uh, myself, uh, John, and the owner of the brewery, Paul, we then judged them and picked what we thought was the best winner. So that winner, who um, who happened to make a West Coast Saison, he was then awarded with $100 uh, credit to the brewery, as well as... Um, so what happened was, uh, the guy, he... What was his name? Simon. Simon, yeah, he won 100 bucks cash, cash money. And he was, like, pretty awesome about it. And he chose. All, he chose. He, he, he was actually like, hey, you know what? 100 bucks, that's great. What I'd really like is... A hundred bucks in in beer, right? So Random money. yeah, and like that's that's awesome. I mean, like that that's pretty pretty cool. Yeah, but, like that's that awesome. that yeah. he was like, I don't even really care about that. As I think store credit and yeah, well, well, it was really nice because that just reaffirms what we're doing in the first place. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So aside along with that, he also his recipe was then. Used, he came in for a brew day with us, and we did a full experimental size, so about 100 liters worth of his recipe, which will be available on tap in our tasting room. That's cool. Yeah, that's very cool. We will be holding, getting back to your question, we will be holding hopefully um, two two or three per year. That was the first one, it was kind of uh, midwinter, so we'll probably hold another one sort of in summertime. Nice. I think that's cool because as a craft brewer, you could kind of, you could approach the home brewing community and kind of shun them and say, you know what, we're the professionals, come and drink our stuff. But like embracing that, we always talk about craft beer, the community of people that are involved, and that's really trying to invite the community and be part of it, right? Yeah. I definitely agree, and I think embracing the home brewers is... Is key. There's a lot of craft professional craft brewers who That's started right. as home brewers. Yeah, they came you know? from that. Um, Everybody doesn't get to go to a fancy school. Yeah, and just because you learn stuff on your own doesn't mean you don't know things. Uh, so, and reality is, home brewers. Yes, they make their own beer, but you know what? They they buy a lot of beer, so they know what to make. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, you want to get the pulse on what's what, what's hopping, like what's going on, like ask ask, ask home brewers, <laughs> like find out like what they're buying, what the new trends are. Yeah, right. Like they're a really they're a really good uh, like like voice into like, what's happening in the industry. So you, you can get a lot of feedback on that. So I was starting to ask you before. Uh, <laughs> I used to think. Being a beer sensor at the start would be like the coolest job in the world. That's exactly what I want to do when I grow up. But I go to the liquor store today, and I think that has got to be, as, as somebody who's part of a, a startup craft brewery, a new craft brewery, that's got to be an incredible tough job to get product on the shelf in such a competitive market. Um, yeah, it, it, it is. It's, it's really hard. Um, like, I quit working... So I used to work for um, for the government liquor stores, the signature store in Atmosphere. Sure. Um, I was there. I, I ran their beer 
section. Okay. Um, and then I worked there for like nine years, and I jumped ship to do this. It's hard. It, it's harder all the time. There's so many more breweries. So many breweries, and every brewery is putting out like a different beer, and it, it's hard to get your product on the shelf. It's a real arms race, um, especially when it comes to like specialty one-off beers. Yeah. Um, I talked to a liquor store in Vancouver, and they described it as chasing the white whale. Like, everybody's chasing the white whale of, like, what's the next thing? Yeah. Sure. Um, so what what I do, what we do at, here is we really focus on, like, we go back, I personally go back to what our, our core values are. We make sessional beers that are two style um, that are high quality and consistent so that's what I rely on I rely on Nick making these really really drinkable beers consistently and well and because of that it allows me to get the beer into more stores um, if if it if the if the product wasn't so so good, it, it, I really couldn't sell it. That's what I that's what I tell everybody. Like, yeah. you know, whenever I get feedback like, oh, you know, good job getting beer into that store, it's like, hey, if the beer wasn't good, it, it sure. wouldn't move. Yeah. So that's that's what for me that's what really drives our sales. Yeah. It's just how how good the beer is. I'll say we were at. Uh, Penticton Festivals just on this past weekend. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Nick didn't, he wasn't there, he couldn't make it, but we were there, and, you know, I accepted an award for our best best stout or porter. Right? Congratulations, we saw that. Yeah. Uh, Congratulations, yeah. Nick, you know, like that's. <laughs> this is the dry Irish stuff. That's yeah. Got, it's in front of us here. I'm yeah. Just, we're not so, there yet. <laughs> I mean, like, it, that's, that's what allows me to be able to sell it. Awesome. Um, that that's what really gets you. That, that's what gets you the sales. Of, that that's what what moves your product. I mean, like anybody can sell beer. It doesn't take much, right? But like everybody doesn't have such a wonderful like brewmaster or brewery or name behind you. That that that's what really gets us. What makes us grow. Sure. And so that's what I'm really happy about. As far as being a um, dream job, my dream job when I was a kid. Was, so when I was younger, my dream job, like, I wanted to work in a video store. Like, that was it for me, right? So this is... Lockbuster employee extraordinary. Oh, yeah. Like, that was, that was, that was it. Like, like, I wanted to work in a video store. Like, that's, that was the deal and end all. And to me, this is the adult version of working in a video store. Like, I get to go sell beer... Yeah. And hang out with like super smart, awesome, fun people. Domes was just here. It was amazing to hang out with them and like spend time with them and just like shoot the And so, uh, it was, it was just really, it was really nice. And this is the, to me, this is the adult version of that. This is the adult version of this is the adult video store. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's fun. It's hard. Sure. But like, so as long as you have the, uh, as long as you have a great brewery behind you, and like great beer, then yeah, it, it's gonna sell. Sure. But a lot of that, you know, I, I always put that praise back on Nick and Paul. Like I, I always push that back there because if it wasn't for them, like it, it wouldn't. Oh yeah, you gotta have a team. Yeah. yeah, and like they really, they had the forethought. To, to, to make the beer, to make the brand, to do everything. And if it wasn't for them, then it, it wouldn't exist. So, yeah. So what's your, you, you mentioned everybody's chasing the white whale. So what is your white whale? I know you guys are doing My personal? Dry hop oh, here? Summer. Okay, well, maybe your maybe your personal. This is a question for both of you. What, <laughs> what is the white whale? What's the next uh, the trend? Whale? The next trend in brewing? Oof. That's a pretty hard one. Yeah. That's, you know. I wish we knew. We're not here to ask you the easy questions. Honestly, <laughs> um, sours definitely are the trend. Um, anything barrel aged, that will be our next sort of big step. Sure. Uh, aside from just general expansion, um, we'll be to increase and add a barrel program. So we're doing a kettle sour, which is what we could consider relatively safe as far as contamination level goes. Mm. Whereas once you get to barrel aging, you have live sour cultures and you're dealing with that sort of thing, you need to be taking a little more careful steps in your mm. um, make sure you're not cross-contaminating your, your non-sour beers. Yeah. Um, a lot of these things though, they're not they're really only out of grasp for us right now financially. Yeah. The only reason we're not doing this stuff now is because we can't afford to expand to keep our other beer on the shelf, yeah. so okay. there's no money there to do extra. Yeah. Um, not yet. I mean, I'm sure it's, it's, it's definitely getting there. Yeah. But, so I would say trend-wise, it sours. Barrel-aged. Barrel-aged sort of. Mm. Uh, things, that, things that sound expensive. <laughs> sure. Um, if it sounds expensive, then it's popular. But uh, so yeah, I would I would say that's a trend, and that is would be my personal white whale because we can't reach it yet. But True. We will. Mm. We'll get it. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome the way to put it. Where it's like this thing that it's like we can see it, but like we just we don't have the ability to do it yet. There's a lot of infrastructure yeah. for getting a barrel program going. Oh, yeah. Imagine yeah, I mean... Well, uh, and then brewing stuff that you're going to age for one, two, three years. And, like, then you've, you know, and then you've got just, just so much time. Well, you don't see any returns on yeah, that for three years. Exactly. Which... Well, does, that's why you I mean, see those $30 bottles yeah, on the exactly. shelf. Exactly. And we have, a, we have a decent amount of space, but we would like to have a proper barrel conditioning. Mm. Room that's temperature, humidity, control, all that sort of thing. So it's not it's not even just as easy as like, oh well, let's go buy some barrels. No. Well, if we're gonna do it, we want to do it properly to the best of our ability. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it's, it it really goes back to like the, the, our first discussions where it was like, what's the point of doing it if we can't do it well, right? Like yeah. we're not just gonna put garbage on the shelf, like because we drop money into it. We'd rather just 
quality over quantity. Yeah. Nice. Okay, so um, Nick, we're gonna throw you on the grill for a little while here. Quick, easy, basic question, which would be, uh, how did you get into brewing? Well, I got into brewing by accident. Um, it was never part of my life plan or education plan or anything like that. Um, I had finished a degree in biology and chemistry, and I was working as a field biologist. And What does someone do if you're a field biologist? So I was uh, doing um, population counts for seabirds, which included the fun activity of being about knee-deep in mud, counting bird poop. <laughs> Glamorous. So when, when when I was in this exact location, um, I realized this is not quite what I had in mind for myself. And I thought... You wanted to work in the adult video store. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? Um, so at that point, I, and even then, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I wasn't... It wasn't like I was some really avid homebrewer or anything like that, but I said, hey, you know what? I've got this degree. I know biology. I know chemistry. I'm just going to write an open letter to a few different breweries just to see if I can meet someone and get kind of a lowdown of this is what a brewery does as far as what it's like in a production facility. Um, at that point, I got a few different responses, but one being... Uh, from Tony Walt, who was the head brewer at Dead Frog at the time. And went in, had a chat with him for about an hour, and left there, he offered me a position. So the position he offered was, I don't know, $11 an hour to wash kegs at nighttime. Sure. So from 2 to 10 p.m. Now, this, again, so I was working as a field biologist, as a field biologist, I can tell you you're making much more than $11 an hour. I bet. Um, you gotta pay those goose poop kind of guys. Oh, you do. <laughs> so it was a significant pay decrease yeah. for terrible hours doing hard physical labor of keg washing and general cleaning. Yeah. But I started there, did that, and I slowly worked up to become. Just sort of general cleaning guy to one of the shift brewers to the lead brewer to by the time I left Dead Frog I was the head brewer and I was running everything there and that was over sort of a about a two year period. Wow! So it was incredibly fast. Yeah. It was a very steep learning curve. Yeah. Um, after Dead Frog I transitioned to Kwantlen Polytechnic University yeah. where I was the practical brewing instructor. A, at the time when I got hired, they were just starting their uh, brewery, and, um, brewing and brewery operations uh, diploma. Yeah. So I ran all the practical brewing side of everything, as well as I was their general lab instructor for their chemistry labs and sensory analysis labs. So from there, uh, I, I spent one year there getting that program started and then transitioned into opening this brewery with Paul. 
So that's uh, climbing the ladder real quick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was uh, <laughs> It was a pretty meteoric rise. Yeah. Looking back, I never expected to, to be given that many options mm. that quickly um, or that much responsibility that quickly. I would like to think that I was able to rise to that challenge. Well, given your track record, I'd say you're doing pretty damn well with these beers. And then Tony now is at Trading Post out in Langley, correct? Yes, that's yeah. right. So while I was at Dead Frog working with Tony, he left, and that's when I became the head brewer. So he had left, and he was working, starting uh, a local brewery called Old, Old Abbey Ales. Yep. Um, he has since then left Old Abbey Ales and is now at Trading Post. All right. It's a mobile community. Mm. Oh, yeah. 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 There's a number of brewers have definitely switched and transitioned. Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting. You get kind of the sort of half of the brewers who are kind of floating around mm -hmm. and don't necessarily stay anywhere for too long. And then it seems like then you get the other guys who, well, I'm not there yet, but Potentially be there for 10 plus years. Yeah, establish of. their own brand. Yeah, and you know, like, maybe, generally I guess that's if they're more involved with ownership, mm -hmm. most likely. Yeah. But you're looking at sort of like your Central City and your Parallel 49s. Yeah. And where the head brewer has been the head brewer since the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And you still have that, opportun that opportunity ahead of you. Yeah. Yeah. Did you almost say opportunity? I almost said opportunity, <laughs> but not on purpose. Just <laughs> The beer must be getting thin. <laughs> I just tried some coffee IPA. Yeah. Are you including coffee beans in that to get that flavor? Yes. So you can imagine or understand that beer as an IPA, uh, which is hot with some nice big tropical hops. Sure. Uh, tropical fruit flavors. And then it's aged on coffee beans, conditioned on coffee beans. Ah. So. Yeah. And the coffee we chose is a light roast Honduran style uh, coffee, so it already has its own somewhat fruity flavors. So it, the the coffee and the hops kind of start to blend together into one sort of flavor. Then underneath, once you get past that, you get a little bit of a caramel note, which is from the coffee. Yeah. Followed by a little bit of a breadiness, which is from the malts. Sure. And that's. Uh... The coffee is roasted by Old Hand out here in Abbotsford, correct? Uh, not roasted by Old Hand, curated by Curated, Old Hand. okay. Um, Old Hand sources all their coffee from Bose Narrows. Okay. Who has a roasting company in yep. Victoria. So before the beer was made, when Nick was in the, the planning stages of it, like him and Johannes had like met and they did like we did tasting. different tastings with different coffees, and yeah. then we did several. This is actually getting back to our test batching that we yeah. talked about yeah. earlier. So we did numerous different tastings with different style coffees, and then we weren't sure how much coffee to use, so we had, I think, three or four different batches with oh, different amounts yeah. of coffee in each one to get a rough estimate. And even then, once we did our full scale batch, I was tasting every day till it's like, okay, this is enough coffee flavor, this is where I want it, yeah. and then move the beer off the coffee. So it was a very hands-on, 
day by day. Brewing experience. <laughs> yeah. When you condition the coffee beans, is it just is it the same as dry hopping? Like you add in. Yeah, it's essentially the same. It was the same process, really. Um, so you have your finished beer, which has gone through primary fermentation. Yep. We had put it on to cooling, so the beer is fermented at whatever it is, about twenty degrees. Yep. Um, and then once you're finished, you, you you bring the temperature of the beer down. That helps draw out things like the haze, the yeast, all that. So it's going to clarify the beer. So with that temperature change is when you want to add either your hops or, in this case, coffee. Um, so it's, the temperature's dropping down, and you're extracting all of those temp, uh, flavors from cool. whatever you're putting in there. Yeah, it's a lot different than a lot of other like, beers involving coffee. Yeah. Like So the big thing that I get is every time I pour a beer for somebody, and they're always like, oh, that's way lighter mm-hmm. than I expected. Yeah. And it's it's a constant like conversation involving like, well, you know, this is a this is truly an IPA first mm-hmm. coffee beer coffee second. Coffee knows yeah. at the end. Yeah. yeah. So it's I think it's really worked for a lot of people. I think it's taken them by surprise. Um it took me by surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's funny because like as a brewery, I would say that we we like pride ourselves on being like incredibly like two style sessionable beers like that's our thing right so this is the most drastic i'd say departure from the norm that we've that we've ever made yeah i'd say it's i personally think it's really it's really great it's my favorite beer that we have um it's just a matter of like it 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 takes people by surprise. I think a lot of people expect, oh, yeah. well, it's coffee, so you, you pull a bunch of espresso shots. Yeah. 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 Or you yeah. or you brew a bunch of coffee and mm-hmm. mix it together. Yeah. And that's expecting a dark color and those dark, really deep roast yeah. flavors, and those aren't present. I always beer. think of, yeah, and I think of darker malts, and I think of stouts and porters when I think of yeah. coffee flavor beer. So it's interesting to have that, like, oh, that's an IPA with a coffee. We, yeah, we try yeah. to pull away from that. To, to be something completely different. Like, and it's it's really worked for us, I think. I mean, there's been, what, a couple other breweries that have done non-stout, non-porter coffee beers. Ours is just a little bit different. Yeah. There's, I like it. Yeah. It's not... Uh, it's much more common to have a dark beer as the coffee. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I say well done. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> and you guys know I like it because it's one I get almost every time I come in. So, yeah. well, it's almost gone. I mean, it's only it is a seasonal. Fill your growlers now, everybody. <laughs> I think we're down to our last handful of cans. Yeah, we're done. We're no, done. I think our bottles are sold out. Yeah, well, yeah. I think we have eight. Oh. We have eight cases of bottles. That's it. It's been really interesting because. So what we did was we did the coffee, the stout, the coffee, as far as seasonals went. Yeah. And, like, there was a lot of, like, inner conversation about, like, how that would pan out. Um, and it's been really, really, really good. Um, March was a crazy month for us. Like, we sold crazy amounts of stout. We, called, we sold crazy amounts of coffee, I, uh, IPA. So... It, 
it was really great. Like, as our um, brand has kind of like rose a bit, like we, yeah, our sales have gone up, and like we've, we're really trying to ride that like perfect wave of yeah. like growth and and production and keep that momentum going. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, it's just like every if there's another brewery who like listens to this, they're I, I think they're gonna be like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because it's it's really hard. Like it's hard to it's hard to like grow and like figure out how much beer you should have at the same time. Yeah, for sure. And like not have these huge gaps in production. Sure. Um, we've been pretty lucky. I mean, there's been like a lot some learning points, but like we've we've done pretty well. Um, so you guys have been going for for a year. What what's the greatest lesson you took from your first year? I think. Um, everything costs way more than you thought. Sure. <laughs> so that's number one. And you're going to need everything to see bigger. Everything. Okay. Uh, we thought we planned bigger, big enough, like uh, well enough in advance that, oh, we won't need to expand until year two at least. We were... And it was eight months in and we're like, we need to expand now. We were eight months in. We were eight months behind. Yes. So sure. Sure. That 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 was the biggest thing. Was it's an astronomical amount of capital needed to keep up with your expansion, and the biggest thing I think that we learned is you gotta have more money. Yeah, everything takes more yeah. money. Well, that's true for life in general. Yeah, like you think you, you think you need three thirties, you need you need six sixties. Like it's <laughs> like it, it's it's crazy. Um, whatever, basically, whatever size you think is going to sustain you, if you can afford more, just get bigger. Right away. Yeah. Hmm. Forget, forget trying to like pimp your product or trying to be out there and like focus on advertising. Like your beer is going to sell. We live in a thirsty, thirsty, thirsty market. People want your beer. If your, if your beer is going to sell, if your beer is good, it's going to sell. You need that production. Um, and you're always chasing, you're always chasing forever. Um, it's a constant battle. Like, what are we going to do? How are we going to manipulate the system that we have to get more out of it? Because um, that's, uh, that's the end game, right? Like, we just want people to have great beer. We think we make great beer. We want people to have it. Uh, it's just a matter of us producing it for people to get it. There you go. Yeah. Seems pretty simple to me. You heard it here. <laughs> Chasing white whales at Ravens Brewing. Alright. Is there uh, any last thoughts? Anything else you guys want to share? Or? No, I mean, thanks for having us on. We're really excited to be the first brewer brewery profile. Or yeah. Exactly what 
Thank you. Thank you and so much. Ho- hopefully it won't be the last. <laughs> I, will say this. I will say that uh, please check out our don't collaboration. Definitely. Uh, yeah, Rice Hour. Oh, I'm, that we're, I'm very excited. We are very, very stoked on. Wait, the Don's um, Brothers are using Rye? Surprise. Oh, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I love um, that as a mall. No, it's our, it's our first collaboration <laughs> beer, and uh, we're really, we're really excited about it. Like, Excellent. And uh, should we start the campaign now to get you into the next year's Bruce Brothers pack? Or almost definitely. Because <laughs> uh, I feel like that was a bit of a slight. I'm gonna let the brewmaster <laughs> push that. As... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'd love to collaborate with whoever wants. We just to yeah. With us, so yeah, having done this first uh, this first collaboration, it's pretty pretty awesome. Yeah. It's really fun to be able to bounce ideas off. Other people, and especially and people who are, you know, and that's your bush. It's good to have yeah, like, double your creativity. Yeah, right? you can, yeah. Well, and when you, you can. when you have somebody as passionate about something as you are, exactly. then it just it's just a mutual love, right? That's yeah, pretty great. Those guys are great. Thanks right. so much for taking the time to talk with us, guys. I'm Jared. Cam. Yeah. You've been listening to the On Tap podcast at Ravens Brewing.